Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas, the official podcast of Somos Mas NM and your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and the New Mexico Runners. My name, of course, is Seth Benoff. Joining me tonight as we have a uh, some almost late-breaking news this evening. Uh, we're going to get in here. We're talking about uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who I am not, who I couldn't be more appreciative of for helping move this past weekend, Earl Nieto. Earl, appreciate you being here. Appreciate you and Marlena and, and Maya coming down and helping me out this past weekend. Couldn't have moved without you guys. Do appreciate it. As you guys can see, I do have new digs. Looks very, very similar to my old digs. Um, but uh, new unit. The only difference of your new dig is you're up a flight of fucking stairs. <laughs> pretty bad and i have carpet so um yeah very very much the same uh but new digs new place so uh hopefully the carpeting actually i don't mind the carpeting hopefully the carpeting helps with the sound a little bit and we're in still busy unpacking lots of unpacking to do still but it's here it's been a weekend we saw new mexico united pick up another win over the weekend, and we got the late breaking story today from Jeff Ruder at the Athletic. The USL Board of Governors is expected to vote on Pro Rel next month. Uh, this is a rumor we've heard before. It's something that we've known has been talked about in the past. And if you haven't read this article over on the Athletic, go check this out. Uh, big, big news from USL Championship. Um, this the article talks about USL looking at instituting promotion relegation with a potential shakeup coming next season in 2024 with the introduction of a third tier to the USL structure, adding it in somewhere in between USL championship and league one, which uh, has a reported $5 million entry fee to league one and then pro rail potentially coming in 2025. Harry over in the chat. Appreciate you being here. Anti all-star game. There you go. Thank you for that. Um, so we, Earl, let's get to this straight away. This is big, big news for the USL championship. Um, what do you think this means? Do you think that the Board of Governors actually votes on this? Do you think they approve it? Do we see promotion relegation coming to U.S. soccer? I would actually love if it did. Um, because for the past five years, we've seen the same teams. Um, minus a few of them, or a couple. Um, R.I.P. Reno and R.I.P. OKC, right? Yep. Uh, okay. So te- technically, still on hiatus, but uh, RIP yeah. to them too. Yeah. Austin, uh, uh, Austin Bold as well. Exactly. Yeah. So a few of them have folded shut, um, and that if you're watching on Facebook, that my friends was Seth who put the link to this to this uh, this breaking news story. I guess we want to call it. Um, but yeah, so I I'm a hundred percent for it because like I was getting to. We've seen the same team, same teams, year after year after year. Just recently, the USL threw us a curveball where now we see Eastern Conference teams, and then they threw us another curveball and said, hey, you're going to see every Eastern Conference team. Why not? Um, So for us to be able to get a chance to see small teams like Ford Madison, see them get a chance to at least play in the championship without having to play, without having to pay to play is essentially the way it works is you pay buckets of money in order to get onto the USL championship. 
only the fold did not do good. So with this pro rel, I mean, you don't pay oodles and oodles of money to get to go play championship when you could just win your league. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still going to have the you know obviously the entry fee for the for the franchises, which you know is is not going anywhere anytime soon, especially as USL continues to try to expand and fill out a third tier, um, well, third professional tier, I should say. Because that's going to be one of the keys here. You, you can't necessarily do it between just two tiers. I mean, you could, but it'd be kind of, you know, kind of boring a little bit if you ask me. But to add in a third professional tier, I think makes a huge world of difference for USL Championship and, and USL as a whole. Because this article goes on, goes on to talk about USL potentially looking at getting Division One sanctioning from USSF. Now, that's going to be a huge question coming going forward. You know, will they get? Uh, division one sanctioning and harry's got a question over in the chat question is what 12 teams can make it to division one and will new mexico united stadium be over fifteen thousand? uh to the second part i can mo- almost definitely tell you yes uh the club is i believe they are looking somewhere in the in the 15 to twenty thousand range beyond that i don't know i think 15 is kind of like low end or about where they want to hit um as, a, as an ideal um because I mean, you look at what we do already over at, at the lab. We've we've crossed the fifteen thousand mark. I think somewhere you know uh, fifteen twenty is going to be in there. I, I think the club settles around like seventeen. But um, the, the thing about that, though, Harry, is the, uh, if USSF is going to sanction another Division One league they're going to have to give some sort of leeway on these requirements because even if you look at the current championship clubs, I mean, you'd have to really look and see how many currently ha- even have that possibility uh, of holding 15,000, you know, family one. I don't think Phoenix can hit 15. Uh, Widener, I think can hit 15. Uh, you look at some of the other, you know, larger stadiums of the clubs that play uh, in places like football stadiums and things like that. Obviously they, they could, but will they have the draw to to continue to sustain that? So, um, yeah, exactly. They they have to they they have to open that up. They really do. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens. And Earl, to your point, you talked about seeing different clubs, seeing opportunities possibly open up for clubs like Ford Madison, maybe Richmond, you know, maybe Austin or somebody, you know, Reno or some of the others potentially make a comeback. Maybe Rochester, who just folded. Uh, out of MLS Next Pro, maybe they make a comeback again. I mean, anything is possible there, but I think this is USL's way forward here. This is how they start to compete because you look at MLS, MLS is obviously going to do MLS things. I mean, they're already, I don't even know, I people have been arguing, complaining about the rules as far as Inter Miami and what they're doing with their rosters, but I don't see MLS ever going this route. Even if they go through with the with the whole thing with Liga Emekis, uh, I don't see them ever going to a pro well format, and I think that would be a huge draw for USL if they get that in place. Yeah, that will definitely benefit the USL. Um, and you said it right. I mean, pro rel does not benefit MLS because MLS. What do they have? They have MLS next. <clears throat> they don't have anything past that. They would have to develop an entire new league in order to have a pro rel, even with two of them. 
So for them to for them to even explore a pro rel is just a hundred percent out of the question. But like it, it makes sense for for USL because they already have the three divisions as it is, where if they wanted to tap into the League One, they wanted to tap into League Two, they have that opportunity. Um, obviously they're probably gonna play the League One as if it's still like kind of the Academy way, kind of the Academy route. Um but 100% ProRail benefits USL as a step forward because now they can mimic top flight. Uh, they can mimic top flight cl- leagues like Premier League where they have three leagues there and that's how they can base their tier system off their, their scoring system is, okay, the bottom four you're relegated to to the pits of nowhere. Yeah, if they are going to vote and ultimately decide to implement ProRail and USL, they're going to have to figure out a way to work the system. Now, it won't. I don't see it being exactly like what they do in England and in other countries, simply because of the fact that the league is that much smaller. Um, if you go looking through this article even more, there's a lot of good tidbits in here talking about, you know, maybe 2024 is the year in which they evaluate which clubs would start in the championship, you know? Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's a, it's a vastly interesting topic to discuss. It's something we've talked about in the past and, you know, there are some of the arguments against, you know, well, does it differentiate the league? Does it hurt player development? Does it, you know, does it hurt clubs like San Diego or the, you know, the new San Diego expansion, I should say in MLS, how do you get, you know, do they look at it and go like, okay, do we maybe go, you know, is this a safer play now, you know, being an MLS rather than going to USL where you do have pro rel, but you know, it's, it's a vastly, again, a vastly interesting conversation. It's one that's needed to be had. And, you know, I mean, in Mexico, in Lika MX, you can, the clubs basically pay and keep stay up even if they get relegated. So, I mean, we all know Liga MX is, you know, corrupt. We know that they do things like that. But, you know, I think it's a huge step forward for USL. Um, there was another mention in the article about changing the calendar. So, you, um, that's gonna you, before you carry on, you mentioned corrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what else is corrupt? What's corrupt? Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm assuming you've been watching uh, Big Daddy. No, no, oh. no. <clears throat> that my friend or my unpacked friend is one of the secret words of the day. Okay, <laughs> you have multiple secret words today. Yeah, there's two okay. of them actually. Yeah, one was just words. given to you, and one's been out there in the megaverse. For quite a while. Alrighty, well, we'll see if you can squeeze the other one in here somehow. Because, I mean, honestly, Rumble Stiltskin is a hard one to squeeze into any sort of conversation we have here. Oh, Caddy Wampus. Okay, I mean, you could probably use that to to describe, you know, Detroit City right now. But it's very true. You know, I also. So are we just like transitioning? We may as well. Might as well. So, since we're on the on the uh, the topic of Caddy Wampus, 
Yeah, we could describe Detroit City as that. But you know who else we could describe that as? Who would that be, Earl? Vanderplast. <laughs> okay. So, Mike Vanderplast, Michael Vanderplast, whatever you want to be called today. Um, I'm not on Twitter, but I know you listen to the stupid thing. So, if you're listening, come on the show. It's your open challenge, open invite. What are you talking about, Earl? They don't watch the show. They don't listen to the show. Neither does Dave, or neither does uh, Jacob. <laughs> okay. I mean, if we're going to go there, I mean, obviously, Jacob not with us again this evening. We, we knew that he wouldn't be, um, you know, due to him getting ready to go to the police academy. But, um, you know, there's Earl with the open challenge to, to uh, Vanderplas uh, of Phoenix Rising fandom to come on the show and try to, I don't even know what the point is. But, um, yeah, I mean, Saturday night, New Mexico and I faced a very tough Detroit City FC team. We talked about Detroit last week. They have a very tough defense. Uh, Steinwasher, one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Detroit just hasn't figured it out offensively. And you can see some of, a lot of that here in this match as well. Early on, New Mexico and I went off the bar twice in the first half. Daniel Bruce with one there. Uh, and really, New Mexico came out and were firing on all cylinders in the first half Saturday evening. And it really looked like United, you know, had what was going to have their way with Detroit City. Yeah, so, um, sorry, I was texting away. Um, so, I won't be honest with you. I didn't watch the match live. Did you at least watch the match, Earl? I did watch the match. Okay. I actually just watched the match as I was getting ready for this thing. Um, so, it's a new routine of mine, and it's became kind of a habit that wasn't really intended, but it just did. Whenever I watch the match, we somehow lose and or draw. When I don't watch the match, we somehow win. Okay. So take it as you be. I may be a little superstitious here. But it's worked out in my favor for three matches now. Just saying. So does that mean that you're never going to watch another live game? You, sir, are fucking crazy. <laughs> I will be honest with you. You are fucking crazy. Because okay. I, last week, was accused of being a corporate shill. Mm-hmm. This week, I just rebuffed that idea by putting on that shield. I don't think that's rebuffing that idea. I think you're in- reinforcing the idea that you're shill by wearing club gear. Well, no, I rebuffed his idea. Okay. That I'm a corporate shill because now I am wearing the club seal or shield. Mm-hmm. Um, so, eh, it's whatever. But no, I will continue watching live matches when I make the matches. Um... But the ones I don't, I'll probably watch at like 10.30 at night on Channel 7. All right. Well, watching this, Earl, I mean, obviously United was on the front foot early. You saw Daniel Bruce uh, 
nearly scored, I think the sixth minute, and he saw him here just, just a second ago in the 22nd minute, I believe, go off the crossbar with an insane header. I could not believe how high he got up on, on that ball. Um, but Daniel Bruce cannot say enough about the effort he's been putting in um, over the past several weeks with Eric Quill at the helm. Daniel Bruce is just driving this team and carrying them on his back right now. Yeah, I mean, re-watching them or watching the match, United should have been up at least 3-0. United should have been up 3-0. And Harry, to your comment, if you think that the club bought this here polo shirt for me, Please talk to my fiance Marlena because maybe we'll get $45 back. <laughs> no, the club's not buying me this shirt. I actually bought the shirt for work, and podcast nights are usually my rush nights to get home and watch the match and take a couple notes and get going. Um, so that's why I'm using still in work gear by the time I hop on this crazy show. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that United should have been up, you know, probably three goals early on. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you really don't get better opportunities than what Daniel Bruce had, you know, uh, basically an, an open open net for the header, uh, essentially an open net, but a great defensive effort by uh, by uh, Steinwasher and the Detroit City defense there to keep Brucey out of the goal. I mean, Detroit showed why they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. Steinwasher stood on his head. Saturday night. I mean, all credit to him. You know, one of the best keepers last year in their in their inaugural season with the league, and again this year, it's they're struggling mightily at the offensive end. And you know, you did see them come alive a bit here in the second half, and they were just finding space. They were just finding some spaces there in between our defenders. And you know, Alex Tabakis with a great kick save there, um, and it looked to me like the guys were. And I don't know what the I don't know what the issue was, um, but I mean Detroit really turned it on the second half. Uh, but there was enough there for United to to keep them out, and again Alex Tembakis with another fantastic night, two clean sheets in a row for Alex. So happy to see that for him. Um, you know that's something that has been of some concern uh, here this season. You know there hasn't been there haven't been enough clean sheets. So. Um, Talk Earl. Looking at that game, you know, what's the what was the difference for you between the first and the second half? The first half, we, I mean, there really wasn't much of a difference. First and second half, we fought the entire match. It just wasn't going our way. The good thing this time versus this season versus last season is when those don't go our way last season. We're hanging our head and we're just calling it in. We're not trying for that goal. We're not trying for the 1-0 win or anything like that. This season with Eric Quillen taking over, there's a fight, as you can see, in the 83rd minute. There's still a hunger to win a match in 83 minutes after not making about a billion and a half goals. Yeah, now, and I want to run this back. I want to run this 
flip back just a little bit here. I mean, Armando Moreno, I was on ESPN Radio 117, the team this afternoon, uh, because I am a company man, um, talking Still. about <laughs> talking about Armando Moreno and just the season that he's having. And I know Jacob put out a thread over on Twitter over the weekend. I mean, Armando Moreno has has been phenomenal this season. He really has. He is playing uh, with a lot more confidence than what we've seen uh, I mean, early on the season and then what we saw after he came back from the injury last year. So, I mean, he's been he's been creative. He's been dynamic. And you saw on the goal here, you know, get, he gets the hockey assist. Fantastic vision by him and perfect weight on the ball to get to Brucey. And then, I mean, again, Daniel Bruce, what can you say? But, you know, Abando Moreno has really stepped up. And he's kind of filling that role that we would see Bees or Nava or what we what you would like to see from Sergio Rivas uh, creating out of the midfield. And that's something that we talked about a lot early on, saying this is what United needs to do. What who do we have that can fill that role? And Amato's been incredible. Can't say enough about the effort that he's put in. Yeah, and unfortunately, and this is nothing against Zach Prince or yeah, it's nothing against Zach Prince. But Amando Moreno under Zach Prince wasn't 100% tapped in. He was a shell of what he was two years ago when he first came in. And now we are seeing the Amando Moreno that we saw at Chicago Fire. Where he was good. And he was doing everything he was doing now over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Amando Moreno under Coach Quill is a reinvigorated Amando because for whatever reason, a fire got lit under his ass that now he needs to, needs to show up. And it might've been what coach Quill said when he first started, there are some people in the starting lineup that you probably won't see anymore. And there are some to understand on the bench that you probably will see a lot more of. So just getting told that, I mean, Think of it as any business. You're getting told that, hey, if you don't perform, next guy up. That's exactly what this is. Next guy up. Amanda's not ready to lose that next guy spot, so he's fighting for that spot. So you said it's nothing against against, against Zach. Now I look at this and you look at I look at how he's being used under Coach Quill and how he was used under under Zach Prince. Zach would always play him out wide as a forward. And he kind of limited him into what he could do offensively. Limited him to what he could do uh, create, creatively. You look at what Coach Quill has him doing. They've got him playing underneath, more of a midfield role, not necessarily stuck out on the wing. He's not playing that nine or ten, which is really not his best role. Uh, but you know, he you can see him, and this is what we saw from Sergio a, couple, a few times last year. You know, in the working through the midfield working possession, taking the ball off of guys, and then driving the ball forward. Now, he's going to get his goals. He's going to get his shots. But Amando is playing tremendously confident. You know, you watch how he played after he came back from El Salvador the first few times. You know, he was – he seemed to be second-guessing himself. And then again, too, once he came back from the injury. And – but compared to now, now he looks – he looks confident. He's making quick decisions. He's not second guessing. He's not taking those extra touches when he doesn't need to. And he 
I mean, between him and Brucey, you talk about, you know, guys being resurgent under Eric Cool or reinvigorated under Eric Cool. There's a number of guys who have been performing a lot better. And to me, Amando and Brucey are leading that charge. Look yeah, at that. We have a celebrity in the chat real quick. Jacob Terrell yeah. popping in. Don't know if it's really him or not. It is a blue square. So, Jacob, hopefully it's you confirm or deny. Blink twice. Um, yeah, 100%. You said it right. I mean, there's a slew of United players right now who are reinvigorated by Coach Quill. Whether it's the system that he brought, the tenaciousness that he has of continuing to push late in the match, that might be it. But whatever it is, the team, and once again, this is not a slight jab at Troy or Zach. The team looks better under under Coach Quill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, that's something that you know he talked about. He wanted to play exciting football, and it looks exciting. You watch what they're doing. You watch the the dynamic movement. You watch the chance generation. I mean, you, you watch that cross come in, and you see Brucey elevate the way that he did to get you know get a header on that ball. I mean, it, it's chances are coming from different areas of the pitch that we haven't seen. We're seeing the ball being played through the middle. We're seeing dynamic defending. We're seeing guys, you know, making runs. And I couldn't even, I was trying to you know, keep track of the number of times that United seemed to get out on a break these past few matches. And it's really astounding just what a difference just visually it looks like. And you know, I, 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 while there are still moments where I know people are going, okay, what is going on? And, you know, we still necessarily haven't necessarily, we still haven't necessarily had those comfortable wins, but the team is grinding and putting in the effort and they're creating opportunities. I mean, again, you saw how many we, again, we went off the bar twice on Saturday. Brucey gets saved off the line. Uh, you know, we peppered Steinwasher with, with opportunities throughout the evening and Detroit just, you know, again, they're a very good defensive team. And so, you know, all credit to them for the effort they put in. But, you know, it's this is an exciting team. I think there's a lot more left to give as well. And you look at what's happened so far. And, you know, yeah, the first couple of matches weren't necessarily great, but there's a transition period. We've had six matches in 21 days, basically, uh, since Eric Coyle got here. And we've now won three of four picked up 13 out of 15 possible points in our last four matches. And we're back above the playoff line. So there's been a huge shift in mentality. There's been a huge shift in uh, productivity on the pitch, a huge shift in creativity. And so right now, there's really not a lot that nation should be upset about. People should be showing up and cheering and really enjoying what Eric Quill is putting out and what these guys are doing and how they're performing. Now, is it a little bit disheartening to see, you know, Hursty and Wags and Dolling and, and guys like that not necessarily getting those starts up top in that nine or ten role? Yeah, it is, because that's what they're here, to, that's what they're brought in for. But I'm loving watching Brucey up top. See, I'm I'm the same way. If I'm gonna say it. The definition of insanity is doing things over and over again and hoping for a different change, mm-hmm. different different result. You've tried Hursty 
You've tried dulling. You've tried wag starting. You've tried Amundo starting. You've tried Sergio starting. You've tried Santi. All in that nine roll. It didn't work out. So why on earth would you go back to doing that when you could try something different? Like Daniel Roos, who I don't know how he sits in that in that back line spot or in the mid wing spot, but he does. Mm-hmm. Now he's playing in a nine roll and shining in that nine roll within a week of having a new head coach. Well, and part of it too, part of it too is the service that's being offered up into the area. Now you look at what Bruce has been doing. You look at some of the runs that Armando has made and the service has been a lot better. That was something that we talked about for the first half of the season, nearly first half of the season was that the service was not there for the forwards. But with, you know, and one of the one of the concerns that we had about some of these signings was were the forwards we brought in were they dynamic enough to create almost in a, almost in a sense havoc, create space, you know, force defenders to make mistakes, and Hursty's not that guy, he's not, and then we knew that with him coming in, we knew that he wasn't you know, the the dynamic havoc maker. He's a guy that's going to stand there. He's going to hold the ball up and yeah, he's going to be able to drive, you know, dribble at some guys, but he's not going to blow past them. He's not going to blow them away. He's going to get up. He's going to be physical, but you can look at that compared to what Daniel Bruce is doing and all the different spots that he's sitting in and working his way into. Like he and Amando are doing things that are, that's just absolutely frustrating defenses right now. And that again, the service that they're getting, you look at some of the balls over the top, some of the balls from the wings. We weren't seeing that. We really weren't, not as much as we should. And then again, you know, but it, with the balls from the wings, which is basically how Zach and Troy wanted to play, play the ball in from the, you didn't, from the outside, you didn't see the ball through the middle. That ball in the middle is opening up things. And it's making a world of difference. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And I don't even know how to comment on it or talk about it because it's night and day compared to what we had with Troy and Zach to now. I mean, the ball is actually getting to where it needs to be, where it should be, which is ultimately leading to goals. Mm-hmm. I do believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's seven goals in six matches. Uh, I will double check that for you, but I, I believe you are correct. So, I mean, that's six in our last four. So, and then uh, lost to Phoenix. So, seven, seven goals in five matches. Okay, seven goals in five matches. I was one match extra. Yeah. Um, those seven goals match... All the goals we had the the first half of the season. I'm gonna fact check that one because I don't think that is correct, but I'll check it. It's pretty dang close if it's not. <laughs> uh, so we're sitting on 27 now. We had so Eric's first game was RGV. We've had nine goals in six matches. 
So, okay. I mean, we're only eight off the league lead, so. Okay. So, since Eric has came in, since Coach Quills came in, in nine matches, we've matched, give or take, one or two, because nine plus nine is 18. 30% of our goals have come in the past six matches. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. That's what I'm trying to get to. Okay. Is our production under Coach Quill is far more efficient than what we've seen before. Mm -hmm. And it's nice. Oh, it absolutely is. And the thing is, we're we're converting those shots too. It's not just chance creation, it's conversion rate. We're we're number one league in conversion rate right now. It's nice not hopping on these things and talking about a one-nil loss or a one-one draw at the very, very, very end of the match for whatever God given reason. It's very nice. It's nice like you said, talking about conversion rates and being first in the league. Mm-hmm. It's nice actually having a leading stat that's not a bad stat, like red cards, <laughs> which we're pretty close to leading the league. Uh, we're, yeah, I mean, there's six teams sitting on three red cards, so. Which we're one of those. Mm-hmm. We sure are. So, but no, you're right. It is. It is good to hop on. It's good to have positive things to talk about. It's good to, to have positive results on the pitch. And I mean, there's really not a whole lot more that I have. I just wanted to point out over the past few matches, the midfield has been so good. The midfield has been so good. You know, both uh, you know tracking back, making defensive stops, taking the balls off of opposing players, and then turning and getting that ball forward. The midfield has been phenomenal since Coach Quill came in. They really have. Um, just just all around, we're seeing a, a vast a vast improvement in how and how the play is is happening on the field so it, it's really refreshing to see it's really refreshing to open up you know reddit and not be you know see people getting you know yelling and screaming about you know the match and not looking at twitter and seeing people all upset about stuff so you know it, it, it has been nice from a fan perspective um it also makes it easier on us here to actually you know come on and talk and have you know positive things to say because you know we're able, we're now able to do that without being company shills. So, <laughs> there's a reason why it's on my left chest, mm-hmm. right above my heart, because I sold my soul to them. If you didn't know that. Oh, so they, they did buy you out there. Yeah, but all it took was a couple jerseys that I had to pay for. Um, <laughs> that you had to pay for. Okay. And an entire first season of tickets that I had to pay for, and a divorce that I had to pay for. So for them to say that I'm a corporate seller, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about because I've had to pay for everything I've been to the past fucking three months, three years. Fun fact: I've only paid for tickets to I think four or five matches in five years. Yeah, fun fact: this is my third match. I'm paying for tickets um, only because I am now a family man. So I am buying tickets for my family. And yeah, I do have a press pass that I can use, but I'd much rather hang out with my family and eat pickles with fruit gushers. 
I don't know how I feel about that. You have to try it. Don't knock it till you try it, son bitch. I don't know how I feel about that. That's just, yeah. Okay, on the 22nd, mark my words, we're having one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. We'll see. We'll see it's how really, that one It's goes. really good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, really, I mean, I, short week. I mean, we talked about Vegas last week. Not a whole lot for us to talk about that way. We talked about Detroit City. I mean, the only other thing is, you know, next week on Wednesday night, Sunderland AFC comes to the lap. That's going to be really interesting to see. Can't wait. Obviously, we, we can sit down. We can talk about it Tuesday night because we will have uh, Sacramento next weekend as well. So, um, I mean, we'll just call. I mean, we'll make it a short night tonight. I mean, I we talked about the we talked about Pro Rel. We talked about you know latest results for us. Um, I mean, Earl, the second where the second half of the season is upon us. We have officially passed the halfway point. Are we where I, do, I will have one final question? Are we where you thought we would be at this point? And do you think that we continue uh, on the upward tra- trajectory that we are on? I thought we would be sitting a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. I didn't think first or second. I was thinking third, fourth, or fifth, somewhere around there. Um, but we all know how that went. We're not sitting there. There was a point in time where we were sitting at 11th place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, are we sitting where we wanted to? No. But if the season were to end right now, we're looking at a playoff spot. Yeah. Granted, we are traveling to El Paso. Um, if it were to end today. But guess what? It's not ending today. And we still have... 15 more weeks to go. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of football to still be played. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So with that, yes, I do still think that are we continue to trend up and we continue to play exciting soccer and somehow eke out wins late at the game. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, obviously – you know, we we were all pretty high on where we thought the club was going to finish this year. We certainly didn't expect to be languishing towards the bottom of the standings. So to see the upward trajectory here, you know, it, it, it's a good sign. It, it really is. And especially given the fact that the rest of the West has seemingly cooled off. You know, Sacramento has kind of cooled off a little bit. El Paso obviously cooled off. Uh, San Antonio, I think I, I would say that San Antonio is kind of picking up steam watching their matches and seeing where the results are at. Um, but yeah, San Diego's cooled off. Switchbacks have been hit or miss. I mean, we're only nine points out of first right now. Only as I saw something earlier talk about, you know, a separation in the West. I mean, you have nine points from first to eight. That's not a big spread. I think it's what, 10 points from first to last? Uh, well, from... Uh, if you want to go first to last in the Western Conference, you're looking at you know 33 points, 23 points. But um, I mean, Las Vegas is pretty much out of it at this point, unless they go on a run here at the end of the season. Uh, from Orange County, who's sitting in 11th to Sacramento, that's only a 12 point difference, which is not insurmountable. By oh, I kept thinking that we had 11 in our league, in our conference. Yeah. We had 12. There's, there are 12 in Beach Conference this year. So, uh, but yeah, it's. It's I I don't necessarily I don't necessarily see the separation that, that that the person was talking about, but 
I think the West is still wide open in terms of who gets the playoff spots. And I don't think anyone is close to locking down that one or two seed yet. So, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that'll just about do it for us this evening. Earl, do you have any closing thoughts before we get out of here? I don't because United only paid me to talk for 40 minutes and we're now at 41. So anything after this, I'm going to start charging the club. Um, so I got nothing else because I am a corporate shill. All right, there you go, folks. Uh, a short show from Earl and myself this evening. Uh, we talked about New Mexico United beating Detroit City over the weekend. We very lightly touched on Sunderland next week, which is going to be a whole lot of fun. We'll talk about that Tuesday night next week. Thank you to everybody who popped in the chat this evening. Jacob, Marlena, Harry. Uh, did I see Robert? I don't think I did. Nope, oh, Robert did pop in. I did see Robert in there at one point. So thank you guys all for hopping into the chat this evening. We do appreciate each and every one of you. Wait, what did Robert say? I didn't even see the comments. Uh, Robert had one comment early on. Oh, that's yeah. it. Okay. Apparently Team Earl is back, so. Well, uh, we still have not seen Jerry. We have not seen Jerry at all. I don't expect we will. Well, I saw him on Facebook with Sombrero Man, so I know he's alive. Okay. I mean, as long as Jerry's alive, that that's okay. So, um, But, yeah, guys, thank you so much for watching, for listening. Um, we will be back Tuesday night, 9 o'clock Mountain Time, you, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. We appreciate each and every one of you. And until next time, somos anidos. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United, the USL, and the New Mexico Runners. All of our shows are recorded live on Tuesday nights and are streamed on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. An audio-only version of the show goes live later in the week on all major podcast platforms. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bidoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using StreamYard and Audacity.